talk a little bit today about something that is really kind of raw from my heart, um, but I just feel like it, it's timely. I feel like the Lord's saying it to me, and if He's going to beat me up with it, I'm going to just share it with you all, okay, if that's okay. You know, life is full of interruptions and even disruptions at times, amen? Like, there's some things that just happen, okay? And I got to thinking about this with the Lord, about how, you know, but what's, there's a little bit of a difference in that, though, right? You know, an interruption is something that, man, it's like a pause on life. Something happens, it comes up, but then you go right back to doing what you're doing. A disruption is a little bit different, right? It's, it's something that it happens. Oh, it, it pauses stuff, but you're never the same. You just don't go back. Things aren't just, this, they can't just go back to the way they are. And we've had some, again, interruption and disruptions in our life, right? And, you know, not all those are bad, right? Thank God, you know, I was disrupted on my day of salvation. Amen? You know, thank God that, he, that God actually woke me up one day and got a hold of me and kept me from going down the, the dark road I was going down. You know, thank God he disrupted and led me to my now wife of 12 years. Hallelujah. <laughs> Give an amen on that one. And my kids, oh, come on. I'll let y'all decide if those are interruptions or disruptions. I'll let y'all. But they're beautiful. They're beautiful. But let me give you a little illustration if, that I like to think about with this. I got these two cups up here, uh, these little coffee cups. Now, these kind of represent a little bit of what I would say is interruption, disruption, right? So my cup is on the right there, black, bold, and beautiful, just like my wife. And uh, that's, that's a joke if you didn't see the picture earlier. Um, you know, in the morning, my wife could come in. I'm like, hello, dear. How are you? Beautiful. I can say whatever I want. Pause the pour. Go right back to it. It's going to be the same. My coffee is not going anywhere. It's going to be the same. My wife's coffee looks more like this thing on the left. I'm not sure what you call that, but uh, it, it once looked like mine, but then she put some creamer, some sugar, some stuff. It has been disrupted. Uh, it's not going back to what my coffee looks like. You know what I'm saying? I don't care how much you pour into it. It ain't going back. But that's how life is sometimes. We go through some things, and we're just not going back. But here's my challenge to us as a church. Some of us, we've been going through some stuff the last few years, and some of us are trying so hard to go back to the way things were. And I'll just be honest with you, I feel like the Lord is not in the business of going back. I believe he's in the business of going forward. I believe he's ready to do a new thing. The question is, where are we at in all that? You know, how do we view what God's trying to do? And so, yeah, my title, my message today is simply this, divine disruption. There are some divine disruptions in our lives that I believe the Lord is trying to get us to grab a hold of. The question is, what are we doing with it? Are we even aware of what God's trying to do? Because I believe, I tell my students all the time, God doesn't waste anything unless we waste it. He will use everything for his glory and for his kingdom's sake. And so I want to talk to you a little bit today about how this even played out from day one when Jesus divinely disrupted the disciples when he called them. We're going to be in Luke 5, the first 11 verses here. And this is just a, what I believe a little bit of a showing of from day one, what it looked like when Jesus came in on the scene of the disciples. What does it look like when he showed up on your scene from day one? And what are some things that, not that we're going to go back, but we're going to, but we're going to look at how God was doing some things back then and how we can learn from those things about where we are today and where we're going. So Luke 5, 
first 11 verses here, and I'm reading from the NIV. Verse 1 says this, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now I want to pause here for a second. In the first four chapters of Luke, you can read, Jesus is doing all kinds of teachings, signs, miracles, wonders. There's some great things happening from this man, and so he's got a crowd on his bumper. I mean, they're looking for him to say the next greatest thing. They're listening. They're tentative. And so they've really gathered around him and followed him all the way up to this point. And this is where we are. Verse 2, he says, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled up both boats so full they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James, John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. Verse 11. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, would you be with us in a very powerful way today because this is your time and we're here to receive what you have for us. Holy Spirit, minister to each and every one of us. Help us to have ears to hear and hearts to receive and minds that are open to understand your word as it comes forth. And Lord, help us, God, to be more Christ-like as we leave here today and to be more like your people that are called by your name. May your gracious hand be upon this service and upon our time, Lord, and we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for it now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 I'm going to give you a, a few things today, about four things that I believe that we pull away from this passage here that are things that we need to be prepared in, things that we need to keep in mind for where God has us and where he's trying to take us. And that's part of some of this divine disruption. You see Jesus being brought into these guys' lives, and in a moment, things are changing. In a moment, things weren't the same. In a moment, they were ready to go home, and Jesus said, no, 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 there's more. And so that's what we're going to look at. Number one today I want to tell you is this, that Jesus wants our attention more than just our petition. He wants our attention more than just our petition. Now, I need, to, I need to unpack this a little bit. Jesus does say that he delights in our prayers and that we should cast down every burden at his feet. But if I'm honest with you, I notice that my prayer life is different when I just come to Jesus with what I want and what I need rather than when I come to Jesus when I've been spending time with him. I've been meditating on his word. I've been thinking about how good he is. He's got my full attention all of my days. John said it this way, that if we abide in him, he'll abide in us. That there's something different than when I just live in a crisis to crisis moment. Things change when Jesus has my full attention. I don't pray the same. All of a sudden now I'm, and can I be honest with you, church, all of a sudden now I'm listening a little bit more than I'm telling Jesus. That's beautiful about the living God we serve is that we can not only pray to him, but he speaks if we'll listen and pay attention to what he's trying to say. 
When it says that he got into the boats and the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out from the shore, I, I empathize with Simon because I believe Jesus was helping Simon out a little bit in this moment. I really believe that Jesus purposely and intentionally grabbed this man because I believe if he would have left Simon up on the shore with the crowd knowing Simon, he would have got all caught up in with the crowd's cheers and chants, demanding, wanting Jesus to tell them more and more and more instead of them actually just being still and listening to what he had to say. That he was helping protect Simon from getting caught up in the noise and the distractions and all the people. And it's kind of like my kids, right? You know, it's like if I, if I ask one of them to come near me, you know, they think all of a sudden they're, in the, they're, they're the good kid. It's like, no, I just want you here so I know where you're at. <laughs> I believe Simon was the same way. He was like, Simon, I want to be in your boat. And I want you to hear what I'm saying. But I'll be honest with you, you know, church, we do this. We hear a word from God or we hear the, the man or woman of God say something. Be like, you know, man, it's a good word for so-and-so. Man, I hope they heard that. <laughs> but you know who he's talking to. You know who needs the word. I believe Simon was the same way. Jesus just wanted him to have full attention to what he was saying. And sometimes me and you can caught up in that same thing. And the way that I would say this is that a life of more discipline is a life of less distraction and a life of more deliverance. That for many of us, we need Jesus to do something different because we're too distracted. We need Jesus to disrupt what we have going on because we just don't get it. Most of us don't walk in the freedom that the Lord has for us, not because it's not there, but because we're too caught up in everything else and we're not being disciplined in our life with the Lord. We're not just being still and knowing he's God. We're not just coming to him on a regular basis. We're only coming to him when we feel like, Lord, my plan's not working out. I need your help. Instead of, Lord, what's your plan? So a life of more discipline, I'm telling you, will be a life of more deliverance. Most of, most of the time that we deal with things, it's because we just haven't spent time with him. Amen? There's an answer there, and it's waiting for you and me. So here's my question. What is keeping you from giving Jesus your full attention right now? What is keeping you from paying full attention to Jesus in your life? And I'm not talking about paying attention as good as your neighbor or paying attention as good as you think of somebody else. You and I have one walk with the Lord. What is keeping you from your attention with the Lord? He goes on and in the next verses, he talks about that when they had done so, when they had brought the, the dropped the net and brought it in, that they caught such a large number of fish that they began to break and they sit on their partners over to help them and, it was a good time. And I'll just be honest with you, though, church, when, when Jesus told Simon to drop the net in this deep water, and he told him nicely, Lord, we haven't caught a thing, I would have said, we've tried that spot about five times last night, and it was nothing there. <laughs> Are you, it's like, you don't think I've tried that spot? You don't think I've done that? Some of us have been in those prayers where it's like, Lord, I've tried that, <laughs> but we didn't try it his way, right? There's always a righteous way of doing it, right? So number two, I'll say this, is that Jesus wants us to be more interdependent and less interdependent. Now, for you English folks, yes, I made that second word up. But there's a reason. Because I believe what, what we see in this passage here is that all of a sudden when Jesus was brought into what they were doing, there was an abundance and a flow. 
When they did it the way that Jesus said to do it, all of a sudden there was blessing and there was life. But so much to the point that all of a sudden he had to call over everybody else to come help with what's going on. Man, there's more that we can gather with the Lord when we work together. Amen. But I pray this too, church, that we're not the kind of church that only calls on people when we need something. That we're not the kind of people in this church that only reaches out to our neighbor when it's for our benefit. Man, what, what, what could it have looked like if they all would have been in with what God was doing at the moment? You know, God's leading here. There's some leading of the Holy Spirit here. What if everybody got on board instead of, hey, I'm, I'm doing my part. I'm just doing what I do and everybody else, they just do what they do. We've been conditioned as a society and as a church to just do you. You just stay in your lane. You take care of you. Don't worry about anybody else. Now, there's some wisdom in that. I'm not telling you to meddle. I'm not telling you to gossip. Hello. I'm not telling you to. But there's a big difference in that and taking care of one another as we should as the church. There's a big difference in doing that and being in each other's lives as a true fellowship, as a true community, because now we're brothers and sisters and it means something. Like Pastor, he said earlier, there's, there's only, you're only a guest one time. When you come back, you're family. That's got to mean something, church. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up in anything like this, but I love hearing my Royal Ranger buddies talk about all this neat Boy Scout stuff and Royal Ranger stuff they do outside. And, you know, we didn't ever do anything like that, really. And so one of the things I love it is when they show me how to make the best fire in the world. I'm like, yeah, fire, that's good. That's like a, you know, I don't know if that's a man thing or what, but I just, I can look at a fire all night, you know, just look at it, you know. Some good talks around the fire, right? But they'll tell me, okay, brother, this is what you got to do. You got to get your kindling, got to get these sticks, got to get, they got to be about this size, got to get them going, got to get the right peak. And I mean, they're telling me it's like this scientific method I've never even heard about. I'm like, praise God, you do it. I'll watch, I'll take notes over here, you know. But I got to thinking as I've seen some of these when my buddies, and they break it down, it's, and I, and I thought about even recently, you know, from, for you 4th of July fireworks folks, those kids walking around with those little pumps with those little sparklers trying to light these fireworks, boy, that ain't gonna, that's not going to keep you warm. <laughs> and those things don't last very long. It's like, have you ever heard of a one-stick fire? That doesn't sound very good to me. And if you, if you did, it wouldn't last very long. But when you put all of them together... And they lean on each other, and they work together. Now they can got now they got purpose. Now they can they they need each other. And now there's something there's some warmth there's and I, and I so I put this picture up here. I thought, man, what a picture of the church, of people that need each other and lean on each other and work together, and people from all over. They know what a they know when they see fire that it's good, and now they're seeing something. Kind of like when Jesus said, "The world will know your mind by the way you love one another." Man, there's some people in Gina that have looked at Sanctuary going, oh, man, that's a place where I know that they love well. Man, that's a place where I know I can go get warm. It's a place when I'm, you even call it a Holy Spirit hospital, man, that's, that's, good, that's good stuff right there. I'm broken. That's a place that knows how to see people get healed. But that's the difference between a church that's interdependent and one that's all me-dependent or interdependent. We got to stop being a people that act like we have it all together and just do us. We need each other. We need each other. So let me just ask you that. What are you doing then to create, to buy in, to be a community that the Lord wants you to be? What are you doing? Because here's the reality. We have some personal responsibility. 
it's your church, it's our church, right? It's our church, but so it takes each and every one. So what would it look like if each and every one of us bought in and made this place, made this a community that, the, that would honor the Lord and what he's trying to do? He goes on in verse 8, and this is, this really hits home for me when Peter realized, Simon Peter realizes this, and he falls at Jesus' knees, and he says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Simon realizes, after he's seen what God has done, that there is too much at stake here, and that this, this man that we call master, this man that we call Lord, is it. That, that he's got something more than I, I, I thought I knew. You know, part of this whole thing is these fishermen, they were professional fishermen. They just knew what they were doing. How many of us just know what we're doing? I'm guilty, right? Like, like Lord, I know what I'm doing. Dot, 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 in the prayer closet, <laughs> right? Get on my knees. Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinful man. I mean, this is me a lot, church. Because I realize I don't have it all together, and I don't know what I'm doing unless I stick with the Lord, unless I stay humble with the Lord. And here's what I would say. Jesus wants our humility more than our ability. He wants our humility, church. And can I tell you something? The Lord will humble you because it's not about you. It's about his kingdom. It's about his church. The Lord will humble you. It's kind of like my friends, you know, they, and I'm a work, and I'm a workaholic too. I'll, I'll just be, I'm, I'm confessing right now to you, but it's like, you know, the Lord put in this thing called Sabbath. Jesus said he's Lord of the Sabbath and we can debate all day long what that means. But if you don't rest, the Lord will get you some rest, whether you like it or not. And if you live long enough, you know how that works because it ain't about you. It's about what he's trying to do in and through you for a higher call and a higher purpose. He wants our humility. And the Bible says where there's humility, there is grace. But where there is pride, there is opposition from the Lord. We don't want to be a church that, that God pushes back. We want to be a people in a church that God is like we talked about this morning. Lord, come into our presence. Come in this place. Be added unto us. We need your grace. And it's that grace that overcomes Sin. It's that grace that empowers us to be the church that this world needs us to be. Amen? The way I say it is this way, church. Confession leads to consecration, and consecration leads to commission. That Simon had a moment where he just began to confess to the Lord. He understood. He saw. He understood. He experienced God. And some of us have seen way too much from God. We've experienced way too much of God's goodness. We sang about it this morning. I was so thrilled about that. His faithfulness. But when we begin to confess, and confession is not just when you've done something wrong. It's about confessing your life to the Lord. Lord, I'm thinking this. I'm feeling this. Lord, this is where I'm at. And you're giving it all out for the Lord. You're putting it all down for him. Because when you and I begin to do that, all of a sudden he can set us apart for what he's got in, in store. That plan, that purpose, that calling on your life. Now he's got you set apart. So now you can go do and be the things that God needs you to do and be. Now he's going to put you in places that he wants you to be. Because now you're setting yourself up for his plan, not your plan. His calling, not your calling. His idea, not your idea. Amen? 
And so if all of us begin to confess with the Lord, if all of us got a little humble, I cannot imagine what will happen next. But I know it's going to be good. And I know that you and I are going to experience something that God has in store that only he could have in store. So here's a simple question. What are you not confessing? What are you holding back from the Lord? You know, in the garden, you know the story. When God asked Adam, where are you? It's not because he didn't know where he was. You hear me? But he needed Adam to confess. He needed Adam to take a step forward to the Lord and say, here I am. You know, we all need a little bit more here I am moments. What are you not confessing today, church? What are you holding back? Because let me tell you something. Whatever we, whenever you hold back from the Lord, you're, you're holding back from what God is trying to do, not just in your life, but all the lives around you. Because we're one spirit, we're in one body, and we are one accord. There is something special here, but not because any one of us is special, because what God is doing that is special. What are you not confessing? Number four, my last one today is this. Jesus wants your everything so he can reach everyone. In the verse, in verse 10, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore. They left everything and followed him. They left everything and they followed him. Now, when I read that, that scares me. I'll be honest with you. It, it, it frightens me. But can I tell you, when we break it down, church, it's really what he's asked all of us to do. When we call him Lord, we call him King, we call him our Savior, what we're saying is, this, is, this life is not my own. I've been bought with a high price on Calvary. Lord, I'm leaving, and I'm receiving whatever you have for me. Whatever you, if you, whatever you have for me, I'm, I'm going to say yes and amen to that. Now, is that easy? No. We all struggle, especially early on, man. We, there, there's something we don't understand, especially if, you, if it's later on in life. But can I tell you something? It still applies. He wants your everything so he can reach everyone. I want to I share, I've never been to Israel before, but I plan to go one day, hopefully. But, but I've heard a lot about it from other people. And so where they're at on this lake is Lake Gennesaret, which is part of the Sea of Galilee. Beautiful, wonderful body of water that is just flourishing with life and greenery and fish and all kinds of good stuff. It's beautiful. And there's another body of water that you might be familiar with called the Dead Sea. It's dead. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it simple here. <laughs> but why? Because it's like a basin, man. This thing has got salty, salty water, and it's just like a big bowl, basically. There's not a whole lot of life in there compared to the other. Now here's what's interesting, that both these bodies of water are fed by the Jordan River. They're both being poured into. But what's the difference? Well, the Lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, has waterways coming off of it all kinds of different ways. It's like life gives life. A blessing gives blessing. But the Dead Sea, it just is contained. It's not, going, it's not given to anything. It's not pouring out to anybody. And I wonder, when we look at our lives, what do we represent? God needs our everything so he can reach everyone. 
when you and I let God take hold, when we abandon what we say is ours and we say, Lord, it's yours, he can do a lot more with what we think we have. And there's blessing. But when we hold tight, when we hold back, we're like the Dead Sea. Oh, we're both hearing the word of God. We're both hearing the, the man of God, the woman of God. We're both receiving. We're both receiving. But what's the difference, church? One of us is all balled up. We're just going to take and hold on and survive, hoping that something will break loose. The problem is we're supposed to break loose. And now God can do something. I want you to catch this. He's talking to these fishermen. He said, don't be afraid. I'll make you fishers of men. God didn't just wipe away all that he'd already done in their lives. You know, there's many of us, sometimes we wrestle with God. Was that you doing that? Were you up to this? You know, when hindsight is a beautiful thing, and looking back, I know many of us can go and say, that had to be God. But in the moment, you I mean, you might have thought it was the devil, amen? <laughs> you might have thought something was really going on. I think that's that divine disruption that I'm talking about. God is up to something. And he says this to, to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, church, he took what Simon was and fulfilled it for a higher calling. He took what he had already done, the work in him. Amen. The Bible says that he started, he'll see it to the day of completion. He took the work that was in there and he put a higher commission on it. He put a higher plan to it. He fulfilled what Peter was, but Simon, had a, Simon Peter had to trust him. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what this means and don't be afraid of what's to come. And they left everything and they followed him. My question is, what are you afraid of, church? What fear is gripping you for what God is trying to do in your life? There may be a time when your kids are going through something. And it may be, a, it may be something that they're doing. It may be attack of the enemy. But there's something that God has got to get our attention with and say, Lord, what do I do? They couldn't catch a thing. They were on their shore washing their nets, ready to go home. But when they brought Jesus into what they were doing, all of a sudden there was a blessing. All of a sudden there was calling. All of a sudden there was something greater when they brought Jesus in. Our, our biggest crime sometimes, church, is that we don't bring Jesus into what we're doing. How much time have we wasted? How much time have we felt the pain? And looking back, we just say to ourselves, Lord, forgive me. I just didn't bring you in. I try to do it my way. But Jesus is saying to you today, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Perfect love casts out all fear. Amen? Amen. So here's what I want to say to you. There is some divine disruption ready and waiting for your response. There is something God is doing right now in your midst. There is something happening or there's something about to happen. But the question is, are you prepared for that? It's going to take you and I giving Jesus all of our attention. It's going to take you and me being humble before the Lord. It's going to take me and you leaning on each other and being each other's lives appropriately as the body of Christ. And it's definitely going to take us trusting God with all that we have, no matter how little or how big you think that is. The greatest divine disruption we know is Jesus on Calvary. 
when heaven invades earth and, and in, the, in a moment's time on the cross with a crown of thorns, he says, Lord, why have you forsaken me? In a moment's time, he's trying to figure out what's going on, but then he knows, Lord, not my will be done. Not my will be done. Not my will be done. So today I want to ask you just in a simple way, are you ready for the divine disruption? Because God's doing it. He's doing it right now. And what is your response going to be? What are you going to do next? You may be all four of these preparations. You may need to be someone that confesses more and more right now and needs a little humility. You may be someone that needs to just stop and be still before the Lord. You may need to be someone that needs to go to someone in this church and say, you know what, I have not really been honest about where I'm at and where, what's going on with me. Wherever you find yourself, I promise you, when we bring Jesus into it, there's a divine disruption. There's something happening. There's something great in store, not just for you, but for this church, for God's kingdom, and for what he wants to do. Amen? I just want to take a moment. I'm going to pray. I'm just going to take a moment right here. So, you know, sometimes we get so much in the routine, and that's one of the problems we get with this. We miss what God's doing because of our routine. But I want to just take a moment, and I'm going to pray, and I just want to be still for a moment, if we can, if we can do that, church.